Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you willing? Hey gents. Welcome to another episode of Apex Masculinity, a high-performance men's coaching outfit designed to help you show up strong in every area of life. Raising the bar in fatherhood, marriage, finance, business, health, and all things manly. Gentlemen, let's begin. All right, guys, my guest today is Joel Hassenritter. He's an ULA life coach, helping people in their 30s and their 40s that are struggling during times of transition and crisis, helping people find balance and growth and purpose in their lives. He's also a father of three and a husband. Joel, happy to have you on. How you doing, man? I'm great, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, awesome. So keeping with the theme of the podcast... Uh, and again, we're free to wander any direction that this thing goes. I, I've learned that they're a living entity and you can't control them. And it's a good thing. It's authentic that way. But we want to always discuss leveraging tragedy, setbacks, and trauma to come out of that, to go on to build an amazing life. Because there's a lot of people in the world today that are plagued with this voice of self-doubt that tells them that what they are and what their current circumstances are is how it will always be. They will never get past their struggles. They'll never get past their reputation that they may have built for themselves. They'll never get past their pain and their heartache of these tragedies and trauma that they went through maybe in their youth or adolescence. And it has them pinned to the floor, almost like a, almost like a boot to the neck, not letting them even see any light of hope that things could be better or different. So with that said, man, kind of walk us through your past and some things that you've dealt with and gone through, and then we'll get on a trajectory of what you've built today and what you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, we'll get into a lot of what we call ULA blockers as this episode goes on, because it's such an important thing. The voices and the words that we say to ourselves changes the perspective and the trajectory of everything that we do. Right. So we, um, we kind of took this journey. It started about a little over 10 years ago. And my, my wife, who was a, you know, high type A personality, uh, she was a paralegal for several attorneys, you know, kind of high profile attorneys around the Atlanta area and her health began to decline. And so over the course of those 10 years, she went from being able to you know, run several law firms uh, at different times to completely bedridden. And it kind of stopped us in our track. I mean, literally we went from two incomes to one income. She wasn't able to hold down a job physically. And it was devastating to her. Of course, it was brought in a lot of depression, brought in a lot of self-doubt and brought us to the point where we had to look at our lives in a different way. And the question that we asked was, if the last 10 years has brought us to this point, if we don't do something different, what will the next 10 years look like? And when you're facing a certain direction and you know you're walking in a certain direction, uh, you can kind of see down the road, right? And so looking down the road, there was no, no good answer there. There was no good future. We exhausted the medical options, traditional and uh, non-traditional medicines, uh, medical approaches in Georgia. And so we said, okay, well, we need to do something different. And we set out to kind of revamp our life and find new answers for her health. And that took 
literally everything that we had. We, we dropped everything. I owned a piano service business in Atlanta for 18 years and I sold that. We knew we'd have to completely reinvent ourselves. We moved to Phoenix, Arizona, which is where we have two older kids that lived here. And we noticed that her health was better when she would come out to visit. So that's one of the reasons why we picked Phoenix. <clears throat> but it was one of those times that, you know, you get, you get to that point in life and it, it could be in any area, right? It could be your finances. It could be your relationships. It could be your personal walk. But you get to that point, if I can paint a visual picture, that you're climbing up a mountain that seems insurmountable. And you get to that point where you're just sucking wind, right? You got your hands on your knees you're, you know, maybe you've collapsed, like you're just sucking wind and you feel like every step is a step towards a brick wall. And so after a lot of uh, prayer and a lot of consideration, a lot of um, asking different opinions and seeking answers, we decided to pick up and move. When we did the week before we moved, the job that I had lined up fell through. Two weeks before we moved, the people that were going to buy our house uh, their finances didn't work out. So we went from, yeah, we've got this big plan and it looks like things are rolling. looks like things are moving. And then again, a brick wall. And I thought, well, what are we going to do now? You know, like, I don't have a job going out there. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And fortunately I was able to make some connections here in the piano industry and, um, you know, our, the job situation worked out. Since that time, it's been now a little over three years and her health has improved about 50%, I would say. And we've gone through this metamorphosis, if you will, this transformation of how do we do life? Like we literally moved out here to do life differently because that was not working. And so that starts, of course, with your intention that starts, of course, with the words you're speaking over yourself that starts with the mentality that you choose to operate in. And we were doing great. We moved out here, not having sold our house. And unfortunately I was able to find a job house sold about three months later. So we were living with our older daughter for three months in our single bedroom apartment. And she was gracious enough to host us and (laughs) put up with us. Um, And then we hit another brick wall. Um, Stephanie's brother passed away in a tragic drowning. And that was one more of those points in life where you just step back and say, man, what is going on? Like what, what's happening? What is happening around us? It just felt like everywhere we turned, somebody was pulling the rug out from under us. Uh, Stephanie had to fly back to Atlanta and spent some time there just handling situations there with the family and getting things settled. And it was, it was a stretch on us. Like it was a stretch on our marriage just because of the emotional trauma of losing someone that was that close to you. And he was like a brother to me. Um, Our families have always been close and it was a, it was a huge hit. It was a huge hit. And it's still something that we're walking through. Yeah. Um, But as we were, as we were going through that and she was there, I was here again, the emotional strain, the emotional turmoil of all of that, it put a strain on us. And there, it got to the place where it was, we, we had to decide again, because 
this is, it's not something that you decide once and you're done, right? Uh, guys, it, whoever's listening to this, um, Dr. Dave Braun, who we'll talk about in a minute, had something that he said that's, that has stuck with me. And if you have a pen and paper, write this down. If you're not working on your marriage, you're working on your divorce. Yeah. Like that's the bottom line. And so we got to the place where we had to intentionally decide again, we are going to come together to work on each other in spite of everything else that's going on around us. And, you know, she took the brunt of all, like she carried the weight of, of all the things that were going on with the family. And because she was there and in person and, and dealing with all of that way more than I did. Um, but we got to that place and it was like, no, we, we have to work on us. We have to work on us because when everything else is said and gone, it's, it's you and I, babe, that's right. it. It's you and I, and, and we did. And along that journey and along that way, we had wins and losses. We learned how to do life differently. We learned how to come together differently. And I'm very grateful to say that today our marriage is stronger than it's ever been, yeah. but that takes waking up every day and deciding that you're going to work on your marriage Great. and not your divorce. Yeah. So along that journey, uh, it was December of 2020. Uh, I'm sorry, 2019. And I was just kind of going through a retrospective of, of the past couple of years since we'd moved to Phoenix, you know, having this loss in our life and coming back together with each other. Um, and just kind of having this, you know, where are my wins and losses throughout the past couple of years? What are the things that I have strengths in that I can maximize? What are the things that I'm severely lacking in? that uh, I need to grow and I need to learn how to do that better. And I read a book called ULA, O-O-L-A, Finding Balance in an Unbalanced World. It was written by uh, two healthcare practitioners, Dr. Dave Braun and Dr. Troy Ondal. And it's a powerful book. It's a, it's a book of, of his own, their own journey through tragedy and loss. And I'll just touch on that real quick. Troy, when he was in 11th grade, decided he was going to retire when he was 40. And so he designed the rest of his life to live out certain principles to get to that goal. And he failed. He was 42. So, <laughs> but he paid off $755,000 worth of debt. And along the way was teaching Dave all of these principles. He himself became successful. He owned lots of real estate. He had uh, massage studios and, and uh, exercise studios and chiropractic clinics all over the place. And in his own words, his head got too big than his, than his brain did, than his principles did, than the, the ULA principles that he had lived his life through and, and grown all of this through. And in 2007, 2008, he lost it all. The real estate market crashed. He lost all of his businesses, filed for bankruptcy, house gone, cars gone, wife gone, and wound up staring at himself in a crappy motel on the bad side of town going, what in the world? Like what in the world? And so he picked up the phone, he called Troy and he said, Troy, you're not going to believe who, by the way, was in his uh, vacation home in Thailand, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> mm -hmm. So he picked up the phone and called his most successful friend, which of course is, is embarrassing to do when you're in that state. Mm -hmm. So Troy, you're not going to believe what's, what's happened in my life. And Troy said, well, you're, you're still doing these principles, right? Like how did this happen? And he said, no, actually I, I haven't been. I thought I was living my ULA life. I thought I'd 
done all the things and, and was living, living the dream and I lost it all. And Troy said something that is incredibly impactful in that moment. And he said, Dave, where you are is just where you are. It's not who you are. I like that. Where you are is just where you are. It's not who you are. And when we get to those places in life where we are hitting against a brick wall, or we are in the thick of a miry pit, we're at the bottom of a, of a ditch, Mm. not figuring out how to get out. Right. We tend to take on the identity of where we're at and it's just not true. It's, Mm -hmm. it's just not true. It's, It's a lie. It's a lie. We tell ourselves, but we feed into it and it's, you know, self and it's self-sabotage and it's all of these things, lack of focus. And it's important to understand that no matter where you are, who you are is not based on location. It's not based on geography. It's not based on demographics. It's not based on how much money you have in your bank account. Yeah. It's not based on race, ethnicity, anything like that. Who you are is determined by you figuring out who you want to be and then taking intentional steps to move in that direction. And so Dave said, okay, you're right. Um, He went up to the mountain, so to speak, had this mountain, you know, time away to just figure his life out, rebalance his life, try to figure out what he's going to do next. And he came back and he said, you know, Troy, if this works for me, implementing these principles in my life, getting my life back on track, if that works for me, I will make it my mission to tell the world because there are people in need that don't know what the next step should be or could be. And they were, you know, speaking at corporate events and they were doing all these things. And so I read this book and it was just one of those kind of aha moments of, wow, you know, this is, this is really good stuff. Mm -hmm. COVID hit and I laid it down and, you know, sometimes we have tools that we know we have, and we don't think to implement them. (laughs) And that was kind of one of those things for me is, man, it's a great book. That's cool. I'm so grateful to know their story and to learn from that wisdom. And I put it down. And then you mean you didn't read it? I know I read it and then I didn't do anything with it. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we go through COVID, we go through all the ups and downs of that. I, you know, all of the emotional turmoil, the, the zoom fatigue, like all the things that we've all experienced working from home, you know, as parents have had to do with the kids home. And, um, at the end of, or at the beginning of 2021, I picked the book up again. And I said, you know, I, I wonder if this is something that, that I can learn from again. And so I read the book again, learned way more from it the second time, of course. And I kind of dove in, you know, and every time I dove a little bit deeper, it was another layer of, wow, this is, these are powerful principles. That is the reality of how life actually works. Mm -hmm. And when you implement principles on human nature and how life and humans work, it's amazing how things actually come together. And so I kept hearing in some of their, their live talks and Facebook groups and so forth that, uh, they had this coaching program. And I thought to myself, I had no intention of being an ULA life coach, but I thought if I can learn these principles at the level that I can teach them, that's what I prefer in anything that I can do, Mm -hmm. anything that I learn. So I didn't have the money for it at that point. And thankfully a, a way was made for that. And I went through the certification course and was just 
blown away at how impactful the, the ULIC principles are. And yeah. so I began implementing that into my own life. And it's, you know, one layer after another layer, after another layer, after another layer. And it's, it's just too good not to share with people. Like it's once you start, as we say, seeing your life through the lens of ULA, you can't unsee that. You yeah. can't just turn a blind eye and go, nope, I'm just going to ignore that. And you can't because you are doing your best to intentionally live that. And so that's how I was introduced to ULA and ULA by the way, comes from the word ulala. And it's just, you know, that shortened phrase, but it's, it's that, that feeling that you get when your life is firing on all cylinders, when, when you're coming to your game at the top of at the peak of, of everything that you can bring, when you are recognizing the things that are holding you back and intentionally moving forward, when you are embracing things like, like the ULA accelerators, which we'll talk about gratitude and love and discipline, integrity, when you're embracing that in your life, you can't help, but move forward. Right. And so right. the, the impact on my own personal life has been profound. And, you know, I'm a guy that I've done personal development all my life. Like if I'm on the road, I'm listening to some sort of personal development. I'm listening to an audio book. I'm listening to a podcast, like all the things. Mm -hmm. And what is what I've noticed is different from, from my experience with this than any other personal development thing that I've done is that the common thread in, in so many incredible personal development programs out there is that you go to the seminars and you go through the courses and you do all the things. And the common thread I found was you've taken your notes and a week later, that notebook is buried under a pile of laundry somewhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't right. know where it is. You don't yeah. know where it went and you don't even think to go try and find it. Right. It's just, it yeah. was, it was an experience that you went through and where ULA is different for me. And for so many that I've seen walk through this program and through their, their principles is that ULA allows you to, gives you the freedom to dream again which is something that most of us have not done since we were a kid. Yeah. But dreams are, they're just out there. They're non-tangible in many cases. They're a thing that we hope to strive for. It's a thing that we hope to become or to achieve to get one day. Um, and unless it's put and aligned with your goals and your actions, it's just wishful thinking. Right. So it Ula connects your your heart, which is your dreams to your goals and actions, which is your head right. and walks you through a daily path of three steps a day, three steps a day toward your goals and dreams every day. And that's your habits. And you connect your heart and your head and your habits. 99% of people, you know, are unstoppable, like those three things. Mm -hmm. but they all have to be there. Those are the three ingredients that really make someone move forward that really accomplish, you know, really change lives. And the people that you know of in history that have changed the world, it's those three things, your heart, your head, your habits, your actions. Awesome. And that's one thing I love about Ula. Awesome. If you don't mind, man, I'd like to backtrack just a little bit, man, on this yep. move from Atlanta just to go a little deeper and stuff, just kind of see like, um, 
what was going on in the family dynamic before you guys bounced from Atlanta. Would you say, and if it's not the case, that's totally fine. I'm just curious. Do you think the health issue that your wife had may have been related to like all the busyness and being like high profile, high powered, working with all those law firms and stuff like that? Do you think like it was a high stress job and that maybe kind of like had an impact on her health or was that not the case? Certainly it was an influence. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you know, the, the go, 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 the, the lack of, of balance, if you will. Right. It does take its toll. She has physical medical issues that are unrelated to that. Okay. But when you combine that with uh, just a lack of balance in proper self-care and mm-hmm. downtime and giving your, your mind and your emotions time to, to just chill, just rest and heal. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, when certainly. you guys, when you guys were ready for the move, was there like some apprehension? Like for when I, and, and the reason I asked this is because um, my wife, I love her to death. She is my greatest fan and she is um, the brains of the operation, so to speak. I'm just the risk taker, you know, but like um, we moved to Texas a few years after we got married and she was born and raised in a small Colorado town had never left. And that was like a big deal for her. I had already hitchhiked to Alaska three or four times. Like I'd been all over the country, been to prison a couple of times, like something like that, that seemed trivial for me, but for her, and I didn't recognize it then, you know, and it's one of them deals where you look back and go, you know what? I was not being a sensitive husband during that time, but like, it was a huge apprehension for her was the move of everything you knew, all the people, you know, the business that you had built for yourself, her career, all of that stuff and moving to a new place. Was there like apprehension on what's on the other side of this decision? thousand percent. Yeah. As a matter of fact, when, when we got married, I was doing some training overseas and I, I love to travel and I love to experience new cultures and things like that. So I was doing a fair amount of travel and she, she told me one time, um, when we first got married, she said, I, I love that you love to travel. I love that I'll, I'll come with you sometimes, but, and this was kind of tongue in cheek, but kind of not, if you decide to, you want to move someday, you can come visit me. Cause I'm never leaving Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> right. and, <laughs> she was born and raised there. Uh, all of her family, you know, was there. My family was there at the time. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, you know, going from a very close knit community, Right. In our, in our families or both our families are very close knit. We mm. both have big families and going from that to, to walking away from all of that. Absolutely. Like our, our support system, you know, her mom was huge as a support system for us when her health started, started failing. And right. like I said, she was in bed two to three years before we moved out here. And so it was any, any help that we had was just such a blessing my mom would come over and help and, and others, neighbors and, and friends. And it was absolutely like, we're not just walking away from our, our families and our, our lives, our culture, like everything that we had built through, through our marriage at that point, mm-hmm. we're walking away from our support system. Yeah. And the only please people that we, please go yeah, ahead. The, the only people that, that we knew in Arizona were our two kids and a handful of, of people from the church that was here. Right. And that was it. And we had no idea how that was going to work. <laughs> Looking back though, do you see that it was the exact right move to make? Thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I don't remember who said it, but like 
um, what's on the other side of fear. And it's, you know, the goal that you want is right on the other side. Couple questions. When you were sharing that story, some things really stood out to me. You had mentioned seeking counsel and you had also mentioned positive self-talk like when you're going through those dark times. So when you guys were ready to make this move and you weren't sure there was some apprehension, it was a big deal. You wanted to do the right thing. Like, were you getting good feedback from both of your families as far as you guys should do this? If you feel it's what you should do. It was a healthy balance. It okay. was a healthy balance of understand you're taking a big step, mm -hmm. but we also understand that there's not a lot here for your future. Right. And right. so it was, it was a healthy balance. Our families were very supportive, very supportive. Mm. Um, but also again, balancing it with, you know, this is, this is a big deal. Yeah. You know, when you were talking about self positive self-talk, I find that for some people that haven't had the awakening moment yet, as far as, you know, it doesn't have to stay the same, like the toxic life and the toxic mindset doesn't have to stay the same for guys that haven't had that wake up call. They don't get it yet, but it's almost like they want to poke fun at the fact that you stand in the mirror and look at yourself in the eyes and tell yourself that you're a winner. You know what I mean? And that's kind of a cheesy example, but like to tell yourself when things are going wrong, like for example, when you mentioned the job that didn't work out and the house didn't get sold, if we're not careful, there are two voices in each of us. There are two men living inside each of us and they both Definitely. scream very loudly, you know, and if we're not careful, we can let the wrong voice scream so loud to the point where we begin to regurgitate back to ourselves through our own words, what that negative voice is saying. And to be the kind of person that actually stops, slows down, recognizes that that voice is not the right voice and begin to speak positive affirming words that this is going to work out this is going to be okay every tragedy that happens in life isn't because there's some diabolical universal plot that's trying to destroy me and my family right <laughs> obstacles and tragedies are a part of life and in fact they can actually be moments where we're stretched and where we grow the most you know what i mean by having to endure a season of faith where we can't see how all the dots connect and what this is going to look like on the other end but when we get to the other end not only do we realize that we can go through those tragic seasons but we also kind of get an idea that there is a force outside of us that's on our team and it's so true you know what i mean so true i think a, a practical thing to to realize and to kind of put into perspective, if, is, if the words that you're hearing and the words that you're speaking over yourself are not words you would say to someone else, then they have no place in your life. Right. If you wouldn't call your mom and say, mom, you're a failure, right? You're no good. Like if you wouldn't have that conversation, those words have no place in your life. Yeah. I like that. After, um, your brother-in-law passed and we won't camp here very long, but I'm curious to know, and you said it had taxed your marriage a little bit. Um, was there a season where your wife kind of wanted to be back around where either you or your wife wanted to be back around that support network of your family and her family? And did you guys talk about, well, maybe we should move back. We shouldn't be here. Like I need to be there. Was any of that going on? Yeah, there, there weren't conversations of moving back per se, um, but for a season. Sure. And I told her several times, you know, if, if you need to just go back and spend months there, then do it. And she right. did, she spent a month and a half or so, something like that back there. Right. And just 
to try to, to help move things along after the funeral. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it was all of these conversations were going on and I, it killed me because I couldn't be there. You sure. know, I, I had to stay back here and work and I would have loved to have been a support system for the family back there. And I couldn't. Yeah. And so I, I was a little bit removed, which uh, was also a problem, right? Because I, I wasn't having those day-to-day uh, challenges that they were, and, and not that I would wish it on myself or anyone else, but it, we were walking this, we were walking the same path in, in, but not in parallel. Right. And so right. we were walking through our healing, but in different ways. And so they were facing all of the, the fallout of what had happened in real time and in that place. And I was experienced the fallout for myself. And right. so it was a little bit of a different thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, certainly she, she's a rock star and, you know, taking that on and, and taking the brunt of a lot of that and helping the families move forward. And, and her sister as well is just tremendous and, and has been a tremendous help with all that. So, yeah. yeah, it was, yeah. If you need to go back for a season, that's okay. You know, right. go do that. Yep. Yep. Um, my wife gets, gets a trip back home in the summer and we're going to all get to go together as a family in December. See my family life growing up was um, I tease my wife cause uh, and we can say this because we're just, we're just kind of goofing off, but my wife is half Hispanic. And I tell her that, uh, you know, you guys are really tight. You know what I mean? You Mexicans are really tight. You know what I mean? I say, <laughs> when you're white, it's different. They kick you out at 18 and you're not allowed to come back home until we right. can Christmas at your house kind of a thing. <laughs> but I didn't recognize like the need and the depth of relationship and all of that stuff that she had. And, you know, no family's perfect or whatever. And my wife has actually also learned that being away from her family, you know, from time to time has really helped her figure out who she is as a person and really become this really become her own person. Whereas before back home, she was the baby of the family, even though she's in her thirties. And it's really easy to find yourself just assuming that mantra that you've always been in your family dynamic. But when she got out here, like um, my wife has turned into a very high profile. Like I'm very impressed with the woman that she's become, you know, and like the layers are just coming off. Like, I'm curious to see what's further in there, but you had mentioned something, uh, um, when you were talking about the wins and losses of the last couple of years before you got into, before you picked the book back up the second time yeah. and you had said that you had read the book and set it down. And just like some of the conferences that people attend on personal growth and development, where they, they set the notebook down and it was good in the moment. Like it was a season where you were nourished and fed good information, but if you don't put it into practice, then that's all it was, was just a season to be exposed to some good stuff. And you said that it caused you to become self-analytical on your strengths and weaknesses. So what I got from that was two things. One, you you realize, and, and of course I realize, and people need to realize that you can't just be a consumer of content. You have to get to a place where you, I mean, it's, we all start there. We're all, we we pick up the books. We start listening to podcasts. We go on the deep dive. We're trying to figure out what's wrong, where our weaknesses are, how we got broken, how things got awry or, or however the case may be. And we begin to devour this content and a whole new world is opened up to us on personal growth and development, trauma healing, you know, um, folk being focused and getting your goals and, all of these things. But the danger I've noticed with guys is that 
we just continue to consume and we never get to that place where we're like, all right, enough's enough. Like I can listen to my podcast, but I need to start building my life, you know? And then yes. you had said you went self-analytical almost as a next step and wrote out like what your strengths and your weaknesses were so that you could see them clearly with your own eyes and have a blueprint on where, I don't want to use the word failing because I don't, I don't even really like that word. I think we're all falling forward and growing, but you can actually see in real time, the things that we're not doing well at, because as men, we wear many hats, you know, we're a father, we're a husband, you know, we're an employee, we're an employer, we're a church member, we're in ministry, you know, like, we're involved in community, like we're all these different things, you know, and if you don't step back and analyze how you're showing up to the table in all of those areas, you can be blinded to the fact that you're failing completely, you know, or at the very, at the, at the, at the very worst, just not bringing your best to the table. So that self analysis tool is a good thing. That's so good, man. I, you know, having, taking a step back and just having perspective for a moment, like, I think that's something we all should do. In um, when we coach people through the ULA uh, framework, one of the things that we suggest and, and coach people through is every six months, you take a step back and you evaluate all of the key areas of life. In ULA, we have seven key areas of life. It's fitness, finance, family, field, which is your career, faith, friends, and fun. And there's a lot of ways to divide up life, but most things fall under those seven categories. Sure. And so we, we coach people through every six months, every six months, reevaluate your life. And there's a process that we do that called the Ula wheel. And it's, you know, going through and, and kind of doing a self-evaluation. And it's important to do that because regardless of what you're doing, regardless of what hat you're wearing or, or what role you're playing for your family, for yourself, for your, your coworkers, for whoever it is, you can be walking in a direction and have no idea if you're walking in the, in the correct direction, unless you take a step and just look. One of the things I told my kids growing up, they, uh, the couple of the, the older kids, excuse me, they would come home from school. And if, you know, if they had a bad grade or there was a, a rough day at school or something like that, and they'd say, but I tried my hardest. And the mentality was I tried my hardest. So the results should be equal to the amount of effort I put in. Mm -hmm. And what I told them was, if I tell you to go to the backyard and you run out the front door, you can run as fast and as hard as you want, and you'll never get there. Right. You have to take a step at some point and you have to look and say, am I in going in the direction that I intend to? Am I making the progress that I want to? Is there a way I can make more progress? Is there a way I can learn from other people's experiences along the way, mm -hmm. maximize growth, you know, maybe I'm not running. Maybe I pick up a scooter. Like, is there some way to, to maximize and accelerate that? Mm -hmm. And, but you have to evaluate on a continual basis. Where am I versus where do I want to go? And am I actually getting there? Yeah. One thing I've noticed for myself is when I, and I don't remember where I saw this, Joe, but it was, it was this, I, it was this goofy life wheel. And I did a podcast on it like a couple of weeks ago where you sit down and you like, draw this circle and in it, you write self, and then you draw these lines off of the circle and you put all of these obligations or hats that you have as a man. And then you identify what those things are. And then off to the side from there, you'll write horizontal lines 
so that you can see like exactly what does it mean to be a good father? What does it mean to be a good husband? And then you can kind of analyze how you're showing up to the table in those areas. And what I've noticed for myself, and I think a lot of guys, maybe you can speak to this, like how to bring the balance back, but growing up in a home where like, you know, I, 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 I don't, I, I think that one day my dad will listen to these podcasts and I'd never want to hurt his feelings, but like he, he dropped the ball, bro. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So here I am years later, you know, after spending between 12 and 23 incarcerated, and now I have a family and I don't even want to pretend that I know what it means to be a good father. You know what I mean? So I'm like learning, I'm growing, I'm reading, I'm trying to play catch up, but I feel like because I don't know what to do to be the best father or a better father, I'll focus on another hat and give my everything. Like at work, I'm a beast, man. Like, you, like, you know, you know how we're just, we're Vikings. We're, I'm going to, I'm going to just crush yeah. this. I'm going to make a name for myself. I'm going to meet and exceed all expectations and demands. I'm going to satisfy clients. Management's going to love me. Like I'm going to make myself that guy where when I show up to work in the morning, everybody's at calm and peace because Nick's here. You know what I mean? Right. And I tend to focus to the extreme in areas that I know I can do well to help me feel better about the fact that I don't know what I'm doing in these other areas and I may yeah. be doing well, you know? Oh, that's so good, man. It's one of the best examples I heard was the, the circus. When you're at the circus and you know that guy that comes out and he's spinning plates and uh -huh. he's got this, this table, right? And he's got these sticks and he takes a plate and he spins one on the plate and he takes another plate and he, and he spins it on, on the stick, excuse me. And he takes the third one by the time he takes the third one, the first one's kind of wobbling a little bit and he kind of, you know, touches it a few times and it catches back up and he's got a third one and a fourth one. By the time he gets to five, six and seven, it's a merry-go-round, right? He's running back and forth from one to another. Uh -huh. And the reality is that's, that's really what we're doing. Like in life, we are balancing the hats that we wear. We're balancing the people that we show up as to the people that we care for. Right. And you're right. We can be looking at one or two plates going, man, look at that spin. That looks good. <laughs> it's real good. And there's five other ones that are, that are suffering. And so when you, when you do take a second to step back, it's not just the ones that you're not spinning today, but it's the ones that maybe are wobbling that two or three years from now are going to cause a crisis. Right. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm a thousand percent at work mm -hmm. and I get home and I'm dog tired, and I don't spend time with my kids, like at, that's going to take its toll. And maybe it doesn't take its toll today because they're over and spending the night at a friend's house. Right. Six months down the road, you get a year down the road, you get two or three years down the road and they don't know who you are. Yeah. Right. If you're not taking care of yourself and actually implementing a, a proper self-care, consistent self-care routine for whatever that means for you, mm -hmm. exercise, meditation, nutrition, all the things. Yeah. Then you get two or three years down the road. Maybe it doesn't matter right now, but two or three years down the road and all of a sudden you have a health crisis. Right. And then that health crisis turns into a financial crisis right. and that financial crisis turns into a relationship crisis and it yeah. all begins to implode. And yeah. so yeah. it's, you've got to, you have to be looking at all the areas and saying, where am I showing up how I need to, right. am I showing up in the amount that I need to, and in the ways that I need to. It takes focus. And like for me, and what you just said there was real sobering. And it's, it's something I need to hear, man, like mentors 
and I'm considering this a moment actually in, in my favor, actually, you know what I mean? To be able to have this podcast interview with a coach, with someone that's like gone through the certifications and learned the stuff like that. And I know my audience is going to get really good stuff out of it too, but I find it very easy to just push it off and hope for the best. And yes. my gut is telling me this is going to be a crisis. And let me give you a perfect example why. And I can have this talk with you just like I had to talk with the last lady, because all of us are God-fearing people. And I say that in a general sense, you know what I mean? Yep. The guys know I don't get overly religious on the podcast, but they've, they've heard me get, they've heard me get religious before too. And I do that because I'm trying to reach a wide audience, but at the same time, I don't want to like shirk my core values as a person. So like, yes, I'm, I'm, a God, I'm a God-fearing man and I want my kids to grow up and live righteously. And when I say that, I mean, I don't want them to involve themselves in things that is obviously going to grieve the heart of God. But we know that anything that grieves the heart of God is something that damages and hurts us. Right. Definitely. So it's yeah. not like, it's not like he's the killjoy on our happy party. I mean, the things that hurt him are the things that he watches us do and kill ourselves doing. And I don't want my kids to go down that road that I went down. And not only that, but when my kids go through hard times, I want them to know how to be able to hit the floor. Like someone said once, the shortest distance between a problem and a solution is the distance between your knees and the floor. I want my kids to know how to pray and get a hold yes. of them not only for like results in their life, like God, I need this or God, would you help me with this? But I want them to know when they have those epic moments of catastrophic moral failure that all of us can have from time to time, yep. they know that they can pray and ask for forgiveness and know that God forgives them and loves them. And the only way they're going to learn that is if I am imputing that knowledge to them and I find myself so wrapped up in this oil field. I mean, it's five, six days a week, 12, 15, 16 hours a day. Sure. I, I keep telling myself, you know what? Like I have a GD eighth grade education with a GD. Like, this is all I got, man. Like I gotta, I gotta make this work somehow and find out how to make this work. And as soon as we get caught up, as soon as we get to this place, then I can right. go back and really devote to my family. But I think that's the, the lie trap we set for ourselves to console ourselves saying that I'll eventually get to that. And we may have good intentions to do that, but one year turns into two, like you said, turns into three. And now your kids are adolescent teens and there is no affection for God. There is yeah. no affection for righteousness. And you're like, it's not, I don't want to say it's too late, but you're in a spot where the prime ages for where their minds are moldable, you know, malleable or whatever are over. And yep. now, you know what I mean? So, so good, man. It's so good. And yeah, let me, let's talk on, on faith for just a second, because a lot of people, even in the seven F's of Ula, a lot of people get hung up on that word faith. Faith mm -hmm. does not equal religion. Mm -hmm. Like those are two different things. And faith is believing in something that hasn't yet come to fruition. It's believing in a higher power. In some cases, it's believing in that there is better for you. So, you know, when we coach people through the ULA framework, we may be talking with atheists or agnostics or whatever, but there's, you'll find this in scientific studies. You have to have a belief in something bigger than yourself. If you're going to have the hope that you need to move forward, like it's, it's been studied. So it's a, it's a very critical aspect that sometimes society doesn't want to talk about, but it's a critical aspect of human nature. 
And so it's something that's important. So in, in your case, with your, um, with your kids and your family, we had that just the other day, you know, we, with our older kids, we were involved in, in churches, um, quite a bit. And we were on worship teams. We're, you know, pouring into those ministries mm -hmm. and as they grew and as they move out of that, moved out of the house and they moved here, um, we had our youngest and my wife and I just kind of fell out of that routine, yeah. fell out of that, uh, really fell out of the importance of what it was and how that was meaningful to our life. Mm -hmm. And so we bounced around to a few churches and we bounced around out of churches several times and just didn't. And it's not, church is not the end all be all, but being involved with something that is greater than yourself is absolutely, absolutely important. Yeah. And so, yeah, just like you, just the other day, we had a conversation with our teenage daughter and, uh, you know, Hey, there are some things that, that we would love to be able to teach you and grow in you. And so we're going to be doing Bible studies on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we, you know, as, as Christians ourselves should have been implementing, right? right? It's, it, that's, that's something that we should have been, and we haven't been. So yeah, uh, mark it as a failure learned, but a failure moving forward and changing. Mm -hmm. I have these conversations with my kids because when I met my wife, we were, uh, we've, you know, done interim pastoring. We've, you know, did some traveling uh, pulpit supply ministries for places that were like in between pastors. We've always been involved in like youth stuff, you know, whatever, you know, you know, cleaning toilets, whatever, you know, just like the church was our life and everything. And then you know, wins and losses. COVID was everybody's bad year. But for me, 2019 was my gut punch year, man. That was when like I went like into a really dark place. Um, some things that I had tried to do um, completely failed. And I was the responsible party for their failure and trying to process all of that, I, that I wanted to do this and I wanted to accomplish this, but like I didn't have the self-belief or whatever excuse you want to give to see it come to fruition. And when it didn't work yeah. out, man, I tanked hard, bro. And so, you, you know, you kind of come through that time and you're like, all right, that's not the guy I want to be. You know, I want to be positive. I want to have a good family life. I want to do all these things, but there has been a waning decline in an appetite for spiritual things that I've noticed. And then you compound the fact of this busy oil field schedule and my wife's busy private school teaching job that she has. And it's almost like you're scrounging for time to be able to get back involved in. And just as a side note, man, just to kind of tell you where we've been, you know, ourselves, we, we, yeah. we found a good church up here and we had been attending for like a year and it got to a place, man, where it was just, it was very, the sermons were like starting to be, and I'm not bashing in any way or whatever. It was just, it was like theology and doctrine and, and the kids were dreading going. They weren't getting anything out of it. There was no youth group. There was nothing like geared to them. And I know it's not the church's responsibility to raise my kids in a godly way. I know that falls on me, but it got to a point where I'd look over at my family and my kids are like with their heads down, like fighting and elbowing each other, like laughing. And I'd have to reach over and like kind of knock yep. them on the head because they're not paying attention. And my wife's doing a grocery list. And I'm like, nobody is getting anything out of this. Right. So we started bouncing around and we just found a couple of weeks ago, a church that like we really like, you know, and this preacher is passionate and like, he's got vision and he's got like purpose, like, 
and he's he's kind of hitting some soft tender spots in inside you know what i mean and yes. I'm, yep. i've been missing this and i feel this percolating within me to like want to get back to that place where our entire life as a family was kind of centered around a a gospel-centered life if you could say mm. that because yep. as you said church isn't the be-all end-all but it kind of forces you in a way when you're involved in that life and your life is revolved around that, it's kind of almost an accountability to help you be that all the time. You know what Definitely. I mean? Yep. So like there's some things brewing in me, bro. And I'm like, all right, man, like, okay. am I ready to do this again? Like, you know what I mean? Because yes, I I <laughs> as, as, as soon as I get started down that train again, man, you know, like there is a righteous, holy finger that's touched on some really <laughs> sore spots within me. And I got to face the music and I got to deal with the fact that, you know, I'm not perfect. I hear you. you know? And that sucks, Joel. I hate that I'm not perfect. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, you know, I was telling right my wife the you, other man. day, I was telling my wife the other day, I'm like, I hate the fact that I need grace. Like, I love the fact that it's there, but I don't want it. I don't want to need grace for the fact that I'm not perfect, you know, but so, um, I hear you. yeah, getting back to Ula, man, if you're willing to share, like I was looking at these Ula blockers. Yeah. And a lot of this stuff, bro, is like the exact thing. So a lot of these things mentioned in the Ula blockers are exactly the things that keep people pinned down in this yes. place where they cannot see into the future, a future version of themselves having a life of abundance, joy, fulfillment. When I say abundance, I'm not talking about some name it and claim it, rich money kind of thing. Right. I mean, an abundance of connection and happiness and you know, good relationships and this confidence they have in themselves. And in addition to that, getting to a place financially where they're doing well, the addictions are gone. They're living that, they're living that, um, that land of milk and honey life, so to speak. Right. You know what I mean? So yep. if you want to speak to these blockers, bro, my, I know that I would love to hear them and I'm sure my audience would too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you said, the blockers, man, and they can come on at any time right? It can be something that stops you from moving forward. It can also be something that stops you from getting to the top of the hill when you're on the hill, like you've climbed the mountain and then you're given an amazing opportunity that falls in your lap and it's everything you wanted. Mm -hmm. And then self-sabotage comes in and you're like, no, I can't pull that off. Like, there's no way I can do that. You mm -hmm. know? So the, the blockers just to list them out fear and there's seven fear, guilt, anger, self-sabotage, laziness, envy, and focus, in some cases, lack of focus. Right. And they're all, we all deal with these at different times in our life and usually more than one, because there's some gray areas between some of these, right? Mm -hmm. But that first one, fear, man, that fear will absolutely just destroy momentum. Right. Absolutely destroy it. And it's interesting, we, since we were just talking about faith and, you know, fear, we're only born with two innate fears. We're born with the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Like as, a, as an infant, those are the two things we are actually born with. Everything else is learned through our experiences and our environment, what people tell us, mm -hmm. what we choose to listen to, what we expose ourselves to, right? And fear innately is not dangerous because fear can be, you know, Hey, there's danger around the corner. 
Mm-hmm. You know, there's that saber tooth tiger around the corner, right? Safe, and, yeah. and let's let's go the other way, right? So, so listening to your gut instinct is important when it comes to a healthy fear. Mm-hmm. But when fear is a limiting belief, that's that's a totally different story. Like that's a completely different story. And so it's it's important when you look at fear to to really dive deep into what is it like get down deep what what is it that i'm actually afraid of if if it's a you know a speaking engagement and you know I, I realize there are medical conditions where people have a stage fright and so forth but if it's just a oh i i don't know if i want to get out of my comfort zone like mm-hmm. bro get out of your comfort zone right mm-hmm. and so recognizing the where that comes from is is super, super important because once you recognize where it's coming from, then you can actually say, okay, if it's standing in front of a a thousand people, maybe tomorrow I get my family in a room and let's have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Let me do a presentation. Maybe it's, you know, recording myself in front of a, a, an iPhone and playing it back and looking at it. Maybe it's, you know, going to a, a conference center or whatever, a church function or whatever, like you can take baby steps to get to I love it. moving, moving past that. But baby steps are still steps. Like, right. I don't care how small you're moving. If you're, if you're moving and you're moving in the right direction, mm-hmm. that that's 99.99% you know, percent of, of everything. Yeah. You're building the confidence. Absolutely. You One step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you do the first step and like, wow, the sky didn't fall. I didn't get eaten by the tiger. <laughs> right. And, and sometimes just taking, taking a second to, to realize that the fear may not be grounded in anything that's real because fear like faith is a belief in something that you can't really see that, that, that hasn't happened yet. I love Will Smith's description of fear in the movie earth. I think it's, it's, brilliant. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he was talking to his son, his son had to go run through, you know, go to the other side of the planet type thing and, and get some equipment so that they could take back off again. It's a futuristic film. Sure. And, and he said, I'm dad, I'm afraid. And Will's character said, he said, fear is not real. It's the words that we tell ourselves about something that we think might happen that the reality is may never even be a thing. Mm-hmm. Danger is real. Like be real about danger, but fear is not. Right. And so taking just a couple of steps, recognizing it and, and building that confidence of just one step after another, you can break through that fear if you identify it and then map out baby steps to get there. Nice. I love it. Guilt is, um, you know, that that's one that, it's just, man, we all do dumb crap, right? <laughs> We've done things we regret. We say things we regret and, and it, it affects everybody around us. Right. And, and that can, that can really hit home. So if it's, if guilt is holding you back because of something you did, just make it right. Like make it right. Life is too short to carrying, to, to go around carrying the burden of something that can be at least forgiven, yeah. right? Make it right as best you can. But sometimes guilt is not what we do. Sometimes guilt is what has been done to us. 
Sure. Right. And, you know, it could be trauma and be abuse. That could be your parents getting divorced as a child. And most children take that on, you know, oh, it's my fault. Sexual Mm -hmm. abuse victims also, you know, there's that mentality, of course, that comes in and abuse from a loved one, like all of these things that happen. And we carry the weight of what somebody else said or did. And that's a totally different thing. Like that's a completely different thing. And you've hinted that you've walked through that so much in your life. And I I commend you for that because it's not easy to do, but you know, guys, if you're listening to this gals, if you're listening to this, you are not responsible for other people's actions, period. No exceptions. The only thing responsible for is what you do, the thoughts that you have in your mind, the words that you say, your, your actions are the only thing that you're responsible for. And I'm not saying it's easy to let that go. Like these are real issues and that hits home. And so, you know, there's no shame in seeking help from a, a mental health professional, like a, a trauma coach, a, a therapist, psychiatrist, like whatever it is, whatever it has to be, go seek that help. Yeah. Because the, the reality is that has shaped your perspective and it's shaped the voices that you say, that you, that you speak over your life and that will absolutely hold you back. So yeah. guilt and shame is a big one for me, especially as I'm trying to like mount the courage to like completely move away from the man that I spent decades being and I'll get, I'll get this strength. I'll get this energy. I'll get like that. Uh, I went to a conference blast, you know what I mean? And now I'm going to do this, you know, thing. Right. and I'm ready to not just be a consumer. I'm ready to start taking action and I'll start moving towards this apex man. If I can use that term of just being a better man. And there will be a voice that will remind me of every filthy, unclean, deplorable, yes. I mean, things in where I've wounded people, things where I've, uh, you know, immoral things, sexual things, um, mm-hmm. people that I let down, that I abandoned in my past, um, moments where I should have did the right thing and didn't. And I mean, it's there to just, I mean, it's almost got them on flashcards and it lays them yep. out in front of you like, hey, let's take a look at this because this is what you really are. And I know you want to be this, but you have a reputation of being this. And as these scales are being weighed out, we find ourselves as men looking at this scale, seeing the man we want to be, but seeing the man that we've been and the scales are tipped so heavy to the man we've been. And now we have to try to convince ourselves that we're not that man anymore, that we're going to be this man. But it's almost like being in a court of law where evidence just comes out in file cabinets stacked of every dirty deed done. And I think it takes a lot of courage to overcome that, that, that lying voice. But I also think it would help men tremendously to know that every single person has had an infallible moment. You know, yes. even the most well put together people went through puberty. You know what I mean? Even the most well put together people have had moments where they didn't do the right thing. They wounded someone with their words, maybe their actions, where their impulsive carnal passions got the better of them in a moment. Their eyes wandered somewhere where it shouldn't have gone. Their thoughts wandered somewhere where it shouldn't have gone. Maybe their hands wandered somewhere where it shouldn't have gone. 
And, you know, for some of us, it's more than others, but I think you have to factor in the account, you know, take into account the fact that for a lot of guys that have all of this baggage and all of this, uh, these past memories of things they've done wrong, most of those things were done for the sole purpose of releasing dopamine levels in their brain to medicate a deep-seated pain that happened to them when they were a child or in their adolescence. So it's almost like it's not even a fair comparison to say, well, I've done all this and that guy's only done one or two things. Well, that guy might've grown up in a really good home where he had a great family experience and his parents were really great and all of that stuff. And this other guy over here, you know, he was abused. He was abandoned. He bounced from foster home to foster home, you know, felt rejected, you know, maybe he was sexually abused or all these different things. And this guy is just using drugs and drinking and going on this deep, deep, dark dive for no other reason, not because he's wicked, but because he is trying to completely take away the memories of pain and hell in his mind. And when you're ready to become this apex man, and you're like, all right, I want to do this. And you've got all these memories that are flooding into your mind. You need to remind yourself, Hey, a lot of those things that I did were because I was trying to medicate a deep seated pain that I didn't even realize existed inside of me. You know what I mean? And I think those things help with the shame and the guilt, because if I'm not careful, Joel, shame will cripple me and I'll freeze up. I'll freeze up. And I won't even try. Like, I'll just go back to being that guy at work. That's doing a really good job. So I can at least say I'm doing one good thing. Well, you know what I mean? I do, man. It's so hard. I, and I, again, I commend you for taking the steps that you've had to break through the things that you have mm-hmm. and, and anybody out there that's listening to this, like you, there's real stuff, like there's real deep seated issues that, that have either happened to us that we have done to others and it's real. Right. Mm-hmm. And those voices, they come in at the most inopportune times, mm-hmm. right? It's it, they come in at, at the point where a lot of times where you're trying to make a decision, perhaps move your life forward. It happened with, with me just doing this ULA coaching thing. I'm like, you know, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. Like, you know who you are. You're going to go coach people. Are you kidding me? Like these, <laughs> right. These are the voices that are coming into my head. And I, right. I literally that, and just the, the weight of, of the burden of taking on one more thing. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm doing a million things and, and doing one more thing. And I'm going to go, you know, spend more energy that I don't have to go do one more thing. And I, I literally melted down. Like I had, I had this emotional meltdown and it was ugly. Like it was super ugly. I was away at a retreat and I was very fortunate to be surrounded by, by two amazing friends mm-hmm. that helped to, to, to be there in that moment. But it was, I, you know, who the heck do you think you are? Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You can't do this. Right. And I'm very grateful for those friends because it, it really helped to, to ground me in that moment mm-hmm. and to bring me out of, out of that negative self-talk and into yes, but you can help someone else still. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so what I, you, go ahead, please. You, you can still move your life forward. You right. can still, you can still make changes in areas that you need to make changes in. And one of the things uh, Stephanie told me years ago, it was just one of these off comments, you know, we were alone and we were having dinner or whatever. And, and she leaned over and she said, you know, you're a really good man. And I said, baby, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I just try really hard not to be the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I feel that, bro. 
I like what you said about networking. Even though you didn't use that word, this is a thing for me. You were at a place where you had the emotional breakdown. And I think that I think those moments are catalysts. I can remember in my past times where I'm just overwhelmed with just trying to like deal with myself and deal with all the issues of being a father, being a husband, managing money. I've got a mortgage now, uh, you know, just everything going on in life and, 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 and not just wanting surface level stuff, but I want to be a better person and I'm struggling trying to figure out how, and it's just this absolute meltdown. But I've noticed that from those meltdowns, they were always a catalyst to like take me to the next level in becoming a better man. And when you said that you had had that meltdown at that retreat and you were lucky that there were two guys there that were kind of there to able to kind of like walk you through that and be a support pillar for you in that moment. I tell guys that it is essential that when you're ready to make changes and become the better man, you have to have a network of people that are on the same trajectory of becoming a better man so that you can glisten and glean from the vine good things because we are not experts in the field. And I love the transparency that you said where you had that moment where you're like, I know who I am and now I'm going to take this thing on and I'm going to coach and help people. And I think it is essential that you have a past that can help you associate with the people that you're trying to help. And if God forbid, we all waited until we were perfect before <laughs> we helped someone else. Yeah. No one would ever get help. That's so it true. Take place. You know, somebody needs to just have the courage to rise up and say, I'm not a perfect man. I'm still dealing with my own stuff. I'm gaining traction and gaining ground. And I'm at a place where I think, even though I'm still working on me, I would like to help men work on themselves. And that's yeah. so commendable, bro. And I appreciate you for taking that journey. And believing in yourself enough to to feel like you have something valid to offer. Like I'm getting good stuff out of this, bro, for sure. I, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it was it was one of those moments for sure. And oh, and just for clarity, it was a husband and wife that I was at the retreat with. Okay. Yeah, okay. They're both good good friends of mine. But um, but it's so true. You some people call it your tribe in Ula, we call it your inner circle. And you have to surround yourself with people who are there to, to say two things. One is, here's my hand, give me yours, let's keep walking. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is, get your butt out of bed, <laughs> put your feet on the ground, yeah. and keep walking, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and those, are, those are pivotal things. If one of, one of the mistakes that I made through the years was thinking I could do it alone. Mm -hmm. And when those voices are loud, like yeah. when those voices are loud and you can't, you can't block them out. You've got to have, you've got to have friends around you that can say, Hey, that's not true. Do you Those think things was, are not true? Do you Go think ahead. it was pride or do you think it was the, 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 not, I don't want to say this, not the kind of pride where I'm the man and I don't need a map, but the pride of, I don't want people to see who I really am or what struggles I'm really having. Like this barrier of protecting our vulnerability by not wanting to be completely honest with people and saying, look, man, like, I don't know, like everything and I need help. Like, what do you think? Like you said, you were trying to do it alone. Yeah. What do you think yeah. the in, that was? in my case, it was a lack of knowledge. Like I didn't realize how important that was okay. until, until I fell flat on my face more yeah. than once. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, maybe, maybe I can't actually do this by myself. 
Like maybe I, I don't have the tools in that moment to, to, I don't have the shovel. Like I need another shovel. Mine's broken. Right. So it was, it was lack of knowledge of how important that is to surround yourself with like-minded people, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, just ignorance in my case. Uh, it was ego for sure, because, you know, I, I very much believe that we are capable of enormous, impactful things. Mm -hmm. And if that's a true statement, and if I believe that hundred percent, which I do, then how come I can't get past this 5%? Like I know I've got a thousand percent capacity and I can't get past five, but, but that's who I am is a thousand percent, but I can't get past this stumbling block, right. Or this moment or whatever the case may be. And so certainly ego played a part in it. Sure. Uh, and then also vulnerability for sure. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know that I'm a true introvert, but I'm certainly, uh, not one that likes to, you know, to put myself out there. And I'll tell you this, that's been, uh, a, a blocker in doing this whole coaching thing was you, you have to relate to people based on your experiences. Right. Yep. And yeah, that, you know, that's not easy for me to do this podcast. It's just being vulnerable. Right. So yep. how do I get around that? I have a guys group at our church. We meet the first and third Wednesday of every month. I'm involved in a, a small inner circle group through, uh, through an ULA framework, uh, part of their digital platform. Mm -hmm. And we meet every other week. I'm involved with another larger uh, guys group. We meet the other every other week. I'm involved with another uh, group that's, we're not geographically close. They're, you know, about half hour, 45 minutes away. So it's a lot of social media back and forth, the messaging back and forth and so forth. Yeah. But, but, and every group brings a different strength, right? So have, have your close knit people, have your community that is there for you, that can support you and love and also kick you in the butt at the same time. Right. That's essential. very, very important. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love it, man. Like I need to find something like that up here. I mean, this church we're going to, like I said, it was good. Um, and it is good. And I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get like, things are awakening in me. Um, but man, mentorship and men's groups and all of that stuff, they seem to be, I don't know if it's just the old field. Everybody's so busy and doesn't have time with it, but I know that when the student's ready, the teacher arrives and I'm going to keep searching and I'm going to keep pressing and I'm going to keep being vulnerable and uh, it'll come around and I'll latch onto it when it does, because I want to keep growing because I know that the minute I stop, I go back to my default guy and usually at a more rapid pace than I pulled away. Yeah. And my default guy is not a good guy. You know what I mean? I do. So if you got time, man, if you want to run down the last couple, um, yeah, last couple blockers on Ula, we can go through them real quick before I let you get back to your family and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And then I, I have a story that I want to share with the guys about, uh, about Troy and how he kind of does some of this as well. Okay. Um, so we'll kind of run through this uh, a little bit of faster pace. Ula block number three is anger. Like, man, if, if anger is a controlling factor for you, you have to get control of that. Like you have to put reins on that. And there of course are different ways to do that, but it's one thing to be, to be frustrated with something that's, that's something that's an internal thing. When anger turns into violence, mm -hmm. when it turns into a persistent pattern of an outward thing, that's when people get hurt. That's when it's, it's damaging and, and dangerous in some cases. Mm -hmm. And from a, a practical standpoint, sometimes you can, uh, you can 
remove the trigger from your life. Like if that's a possibility, do it. Uh, you know, so the example I used in an, in an article I wrote was if sitting in, in traffic on your way home from work is causing you road rage, find a different way. Yeah. Right. Leave 15 minutes earlier or 15 minutes later to avoid that rush hour traffic, whatever it is, but that's a trigger that you can absolutely just take out of your life. Right. And right. sometimes there are triggers that are not something we can remove, right? Sometimes it's something we have to go through. Mm -hmm. uh, so another example that I used was, you know, if you're working from home and you've got, you know, four kids that are coming home from school and that's stressful for you, like mm -hmm. the thought of them running in, I need snacks. I need, you know, book bags being thrown down, right. Yeah. Uh, all the chaos that happens and, and that's causing you to not be able to move forward with your present. Like that's something that's happening in three hours and that's stifling to you. That's a stressor for you. Mm -hmm. Then, uh, you can kind of prioritize your, your tasks in terms of importance, do the, the first things or the most important things first, mm -hmm. and then plan for the 15 minutes before they get home, meditate, go on a walk, put, put the cell phone down, put social media down, put your work down and just plan to take some time for just quiet grounding time. So that when that chaos happens, you have a shield of readiness mm -hmm. prepared. Yeah. Uh, well, the blocker number four is self-sabotage. And that's a big one for me. Like I said before, you know, who do you think you are? You're going to do this. Like, Mm -hmm. that's, it's huge. And, and self-sabotage can just, just bury you, like absolutely bury you. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, I touched on this before, if those words are words that you would never speak to someone else, you would never speak over someone else. That is a way to identify self-sabotage. Mm -hmm. And once you recognize it and you recognize that you would never pick up the phone and tell that to your mom or your best friend or a spouse or a loved one, like if that's not a conversation you would have, then those words have no place in your life. Like they have no place in your life. So how do you replace that? You yeah. know, if you, if you have favorite quotes, if you have affirmations, if you have things like that, that are positive mindset things, mm -hmm. stick them all over the house, put it on your mirror in the bathroom, stick it on your, on your steering wheel in your car, put it in your desk on your, your workplace, right? Mm -hmm. And then intentionally start your day by saying, and it has to be out loud, like say it out loud. When right. you say things out loud, it literally changes your brain's ability to, or your brain's capacity to absorb what you're saying. Yes. And yes. neurons start, start firing differently and your subconscious mind begins to believe it because you've spoken it. Spoken word is so powerful. Yes. So yes. say those things in the morning when you get up, first thing, say those things before you go to bed say those things. And throughout the day, have those reminders so that the negative self-talk to self-talk that is bombarding you is being combated by positive affirmations, positivity, loving things. And you'll find that if you intentionally say those things out loud, your subconscious mind will begin to repeat it. Yeah. And the negative self-talk will begin to gradually diminish. It may not ever go away, but you can fight it with this. Sure. What I've noticed just real quick for myself is for that principle that you mentioned there, a key factor for me is living my truth. If I make the decision that I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to you know, do drugs, I'm not going to look at porn, I'm not going to treat my wife this way, I'm not going to do this. 
and I have an epic blowout and give over to one of those things, immediately that voice is empowered. Does that make sense? Definitely. As long as I'm living my truth and I'm doing all of these things that I believe now, my core values and my truth may be different from someone else, but when I am living my truth and my core values, that voice, you almost can't even hear it. But the minute I step out of alignment and become incongruent with what I've declared as my core values as a man, it's almost like I've given that bastard, forgive me for saying it that way, a microphone. And he is now allowed to shout that negative self-sabotaging talk right into my head. And it's so true. That's good stuff. That's, yeah, that's yeah. powerful stuff. And it's, it's that alignment, right? Because you can go back and you can see tangible things. Oh, you say I am this person, but look at what I'm, look at the action I'm taking. Mm -hmm. Look at the words I'm speaking. So mm -hmm. those thoughts, then they get diminished because you are overpowering them with the things you're saying and the mm -hmm. things that you're doing. Yes. And, yes. and it just, it, it takes that microphone away. It takes that loudspeaker away. That's so good, man. I love really it. Really good. Well, the blocker number five is laziness. And this is one that, you know, if you, if, if you're not going to actually do anything, that's something I, I tell my clients is nothing changes unless nothing, unless nothing changes, if nothing changes, mm -hmm. like if you're, if you're stagnant, if you are just unmotivated, you're, you're, you have no desire to do anything and you just, eh, I don't care about those things. If you're just, I don't care to do them is what I mean, not apathy, but I don't care to do them because I really rather do this. And going back to your example before, you're not a lazy person. I know that about you. But when you when you put all your focus and your work, the example that you used before, mm -hmm. and you, you know, just kind of let go of the things that are lower priority value system to you, then that laziness takes over, and those areas in our life, like they they're just stagnant at that point. Sure. They they just don't do anything, and it's yeah. so our our focus how we focus on balancing these areas is, is something that is, is huge for overcoming laziness, right? Right. Um, some other practical things that you can do is if you have that high value, low value thing, and it could be something at work, it could be a, a person that you haven't intentionally invested your time and energy into, mm -hmm. um, do those things first. Like if, if you know, that's something I dread doing because either I'm incompetent at it, right? right. Or I don't want to do it. Um, do it first and, and get it out of the way. Do it first. Yeah. Get it out of the way and not just to get it out of the way, although that's part of it, but also your mindset changes because then you, your mindset is, oh, if I get this done, I can get to the things I love. And so it, it creates a positive energy around those low, low uh, profile, low focus areas, sure. right? So that you can get to the ones that you really value the most. Second thing is, um, delegate. Like if, if you're, if the, the laziness, if I can put it that way is just avoidance is another way to put it. Mm -hmm. If it's avoidance, because I'm not good at it. And so I really, eh, I don't really want to go there. Uh, see if you can delegate it. Like, right. see if I'm going to be doing that in a minute. When I go upstairs, I'm going to delegate these kids to clean up after dinner and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. No, but I like it though, man. Yeah. Mm. But, but here's the deal though, guys, there's some things you cannot delegate. You can't delegate your pushups, right? You can't delegate your self-care. You can't delegate your time that you invest mm. 
in your family and your friends and your kids and your spouse. Yes, sir. That's all you. Yeah. That's all you. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, that's not something you can push off. Lula blocker number six is envy. And this one, envy is one of those things that a lot of people confuse jealousy and envy. Mm. And, you know, jealousy is where you, you see someone that has that big promotion and you think, man, I wish that were me. Like, ah, I, I really could have used that, that bonus, right. Mm. Or that car that goes down the road and it's a, it's a beautiful, shiny, brand new car. And mine's in the shop for the fifth time this week. Mm. Right. It's like, oh man, I really wish I could have that envy creeps in where you don't want someone else to have it. Sure. And that's a dangerous place to be because that that's where other bad habits can creep in. And when you are, when you're putting that kind of negative energy out to no, but that you don't deserve that. You, you shouldn't have that. I, I deserve that more than you. Then we've got ego that gets involved. We have all of these things that get involved sure. and, and that's, that's just a dark place to live in. So jealousy is wanting what someone else has, but envy is I can't have it. So I don't want them to have it either. Exactly. Yeah. A little dark shade of jealousy. It's, Uh, it's a dark shade of, and it's a deep pit to, to walk into. Right. So the, the reality is each of us, we, we are here at this time on this planet for a purpose. You were designed by God for greatness and a purpose. And your life is unique. And so having what someone else has is, is not congruent with who you are. Yeah. And, and if you take that amount of energy and you put it into the authentic you and in, like you say, living your truth and living your passion, you, you follow that passionately, Mm -hmm. what other people do and have won't even be part of the equation. Yeah. Right. Focus on you and who you are not, not what other people have comparison. That comparison trap is, is dangerous. I like it. Last blocker, Ula blocker. Number seven is focus. And, you know, there's so many ways we can lose focus throughout the day, right? Social media, the, the latest Netflix binge, right? <laughs> like all these things, gaming for hours and hours, all these things can just rob our time and energy when we, when we lose focus and just decide to, to put it on, on other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, of course, some things you you've missed out on because it's not something you've planned for, like the last minute birthday party that you forgot to get a present for, like those can rob our focus. Some things we focus on in a misdirected way, right? The extreme of that is where addictions live, where we take our focus and we dive into, you know, alcohol, drugs, prescription or, or non-prescription gambling, pornography, like all the things. And we, we take our focus and we hyper-focus in one direction or, or more that are destroying our, our, our self-worth, destroying our confidence, destroying who we are as, as a person. And again, like if that's, if that's a problem, identify it, realize it and, and get, get the help that you need because there is help out there. And there is a way to move past that. You are stronger than you think you are worth fighting for. And chances are there's a host of people around you that are praying for that very yeah. thing to come true. And depending on you to do it too. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm going to go way out on a limb here 
And I'm going to see if you would be willing to do another episode down the road on the ULA accelerators and save and save that portion and just do a whole nother episode. But I did not want to end this one without you sharing that story about the gentleman. I think it was the, the guy that started ULA. Yeah, tr uh, Troy, Dr. Troy. Yeah. So are, you good with, are you good with coming back and doing the accelerators? Happy to. Time? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Happy cool. to. Absolutely. Right. Uh, so Troy has a marble and he has, he has two jars of marbles and then he has a little stand with a marble in the middle of it. And the average age of males in this country are 78. I believe it is 77, 78. Okay. Average age for females is 81, 82, something like that. Like for and how so, long they live or how so, many yeah, on the lifespan yeah. okay okay so he he started with a jar of 77 marbles and then he has a jar of the the years that are that are left type thing so the years that you've lived and the years that you have to live and then this marble in the middle and every year on his birthday he takes the marble that's in the middle that represented this year yeah that he currently lived and he's just does kind of a 365 day review, like my strengths, my, you know, and then he takes that marble and he puts it in a year of past, past years that have lived, that have been lived. He takes one out of the years left to live. And he looks at that marble and says, what am I going to make this year of, what am I going to decide to do? Who am I going to decide to become? How am I, how am I going to step up in greater areas mm -hmm. than I have in the past years that I've lived and having that intention to do that, deciding to do that on a consistent basis, man, that will change your life. Yeah. Like you, you decide who you want to be and you take just baby steps, three steps a day is over a thousand steps in a year. Awesome. Awesome. Um, before I close this one out today, Joel, I want to let people know, because like I told you on the phone earlier this week, I'm hyper interested in this coaching program because when you start searching the labyrinth that exists within the niche and genre of coaching, you find stuff. I mean, some of these like high performance profile Lamborghinis and jet airplanes. And for $50,000, you can get a seat at our conference and right. you know, we'll show you how to move real estate without using any of your money and all, you know, on and on. And it just gets, you're just like, my gosh, man. Like, but when I looked at you guys as pricing model, I was blown away yeah. because for a person that has had some exposure to podcasts where coaching and mentorship and all of that is, is, is being expressed. If uh, just in my own life, for example, it was 2016. I started listening to high performance coaches on podcasts and I was intrigued by doing it. But whenever I'd call and I would hear, yeah, man, we'll walk you through once a week, six grand. You know what I mean? And I'm like, man, I'm moving in an RV. Right. You know what I mean? I don't have six grand for, I don't even know you. Like, how do I know the ROI on this is going to even be beneficial to me? Yeah. And, but I also know that if you're in a place where you need some accountability, mentorship and life coaching is extremely helpful. And when I was looking at you guys' pricing models, I was really encouraged because a guy coming into it that wants some exposure can afford those prices. You know yeah. what I mean? They can afford to take the risk and 
have someone walk through them on a personal level, what they need to do. So like we talked about, like my wife and I are looking into that for ourselves right now. And like, I'm even thinking about pausing my coaching to actually go through a couple of you guys' programs, just so I can get some of that exposure so that I can hone my craft. You know what I mean? For myself, yeah, totally. But if guys are interested in checking out what ULA, the ULA life and ULA coaching is, how can they get in touch with you guys? Yeah, the easiest way is to go to my website. It's wayfindersforlife.com. Okay. And we'll, we'll talk about the story behind that maybe on the next episode, but www.wayfindersforlife.com. And it's, 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 my, it's my journey of, of walking myself through this. Mm -hmm. and just helping anybody that I can along the way. That one thing that turned me off about the concept of becoming a life coach was just what you were saying. Yeah. I'm not the guy that's going to show up in the, in the GQ magazine with my Ferrari and, and the jet plane behind. Like, that's just yeah. not me. That's yeah. not my authentic self. Right. And, and I'm not going to put out this air that I've got all this figured out. I don't. Right. What right. I do have is a framework. And what yeah. I do have is 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 confidence because it's moved my life forward absolutely way more than any other thing that i've done and i've done a ton of them yeah and it yeah. and it's it does that in practical ways and affordable ways so there's a 10-week program that we coach through there's a three-week program that we coach through mm -hmm. and then we launched a digital all digital self-paced thing for those that don't want to do a one-on-one -on -one coaching experience sure. okay. and it's just uh it's it's a beautiful set of tools to it actually helps to identify the things that are holding you back and the designs the blockers yeah. and it designs a 12 week course personalized and customized to you. Mm -hmm. And then it walks you through a year of transformation. And that's a beautiful thing. So I actually incorporate that a lot into my traditional coaching sure. because it's a beautiful way to, after the coaching is done to latch onto that because it's consistent daily action right. and, and continual growth over an entire year. So that's, that's how we do that. But yeah, wayfindersforlife.com. Uh, there'll be a little pop-up there that, that comes up on the home screen. It's for a kind of a guide, a life planner guide sure. of looking at your life through the lens of Ula. Just register for that and see if this kind of thing speaks to you. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, just hop on a call. There's a little click to uh, hop on a call and let's see if it's a good fit. Perfect. Yeah. Check it out, guys. If it's something you think that would help you or you'd be interested in. Joel, this has been amazing. I have benefited tremendously from this. And I already, I, and in my mind's eye, there's guys at work that listen to my podcast and give me good feedback. And I, I can already see the, how this is going to impact guys, not only the guys that listen at work, but just all over the place that listen. So it's been a blessing, bro. And I mean, man, that. this is, it's been my pleasure. It's been my honor. And again, I want to commend you for everything that you've done and everything that you're doing to speak truth into, into guys that have never been told this before sure. that have never experienced and, and been exposed to this kind of a mindset before yeah. how you're showing up, bro. It's awesome. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on. Seriously. Cool. Awesome. man. Hey guys, just wanted to put a quick plug in for the book. Very happy to announce the release of apex masculinity defeat self-sabotage reclaim true manhood it's available at amazon available on barnes and nobles anywhere books are sold and i just wanted to go over what the topics include so you guys can get a well-rounded idea of what this book has to offer you topics include the awakening moment 
that moment when we realize that the man that we've been up to this point is no longer serving us or the people that we claim to love and care for. Also, building self-awareness muscles, teaching us how to properly carry ourselves in a culture where masculinity is under constant assault. Also, understanding self-limiting belief systems and how to eradicate them once and for all. Understanding self-sabotage, what it is, where it started, and how to stop throwing that hand grenade into your lap over and over again. Helping you understand the real reasons why some of you use drugs, excessively drink, and binge watch pornography. Also, understanding how childhood trauma affects our ability to succeed in life. Listen, it's not your fault how it got started, but it is now your responsibility to take complete ownership of the man that you have become and begin the process of reforming yourself. Undertaking the necessary steps to rebuild a mired reputation. It's time to start regaining the trust and the respect that you deserve. Quite honestly, the trust and the respect that maybe the way you carried yourself in the past denied you. Also, understanding leadership and influence. Guys, the world needs you. Now, more than ever, does the world need apex men. More than you realize. There's tips and tactics and strategies on building an epic marriage, one overflowing with real connection, passion, and intimacy. Also, building a parenting strategy that will develop and launch your children towards a greater success in life. Your kids need you to invest in them so that they can be head and shoulders above everyone else that's being launched into the world. Also, understanding triggers for relapse and impulsive decision-making and how to mitigate those triggers on the front side before we make toxic choices. Also, how to build a living legacy, one that's worthy of respect and admiration. Also, understanding the neural pathways of the brain, how they connect to the ether around us, and understanding the law of attraction and how to use gratitude and courage to create limitless opportunities for success. Guys, this book is jam-packed with tons of helpful strategies, tips, and tactics on how to go from being the toxic, substandard man that we've been, and I say that with love and respect, to the epic apex man that exists inside each of us that's just waiting to come out. Guys, I'd love to get this book into your hands. Again, it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere books are sold.